pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's the second hour of Sports Talk here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to our number two of Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock this evening. We've got uh, more coverage. No Brad Underwood show uh, tonight. Uh, they are in route. I guess they're probably already there at Happy Valley for that basketball game coming up tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. You can hear that right here. Uh, Daniels is here. Scott Ritchie is somewhere between here and Happy Valley. Yeah, he uh, he departed Champaign uh, about 1 p.m. or so, so we might be in Ohio by now. It's uh, it's a he's long. He's not listening. Yeah, he, he might think, be. Think so? No, he'd be in Ohio by now. Yeah, he should. Think he should he be. still listen to us. Should be in Ohio. Staying the, the night in uh, lovely Washington, Pennsylvania. Been there. Yeah. There's a great uh, Italian place there, actually. Yeah, called Olive Garden. No, no, different. Not, not. <laughs> you you local. and I ate there, Bob. But no, there's a local place that's oh, okay. awesome. We've been. So to you took there. me to you took me to Olive Garden. I didn't know about that. When you could have taken me to a nice. I know by now. I didn't know by then. <laughs> right, now Bob. I do. Now I feel slighted by this, but that's okay. So we're going to talk about Illinois basketball and some other things. Did the Super Bowl go okay for you there, Matt? Yeah, the kids let me watch the whole thing, which is a, a bonus. Uh, my my daughter was a little disappointed. She became an Eagles fan on Friday at school. Uh, learned a lot about them. So uh, luckily she fell asleep before the game went final. So uh, I had to crush her world this morning uh, about 7 o'clock uh, before she got ready for school. But uh yeah, it was... Uh, just lie. I'm not going to lie, yeah, Bob. Just lie. Come on. Just tell her the truth. Come on. It was a good day, too, for uh, former Illini Nick Allegretti. Not Man. only won his second Super Bowl ring with the Chiefs, but uh, he and his wife, Christina, welcomed twin girls early Sunday morning. Uh, he was not he was not in the delivery room, but I know he watched uh, watched the birth via FaceTime. And, uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool moment for him. This was... Leads to a question. Kind of, kind of, Brad. <laughs> Brad Dancer is with us, Illini men's tennis coach. Had a good weekend, a couple of wins over the weekend. We did, we did. I just was saying to Matt, like, poor Nick, kind of go, all goes downhill from there. <laughs> tough, How do you top tough that, Tough to be a right? Super Bowl win and twin twins on the same day. Well, at least he got a second Super Bowl uh, ring, so they both would have access to one right, of those. Right, right. had one earlier, but uh, you doing okay? Uh, 
Do, doing great. Part of the season? Do, doing great. Uh, some bumps, some some bumps in the road at the beginning part of the season, but uh, I, I've been. I felt this fall and everything else. We've got an awesome team. They're they're fun to watch. You got big personalities, and and I think uh, our fans got to see a little bit a little bit of that this last weekend. It was it was a fun weekend for us. Eighteen years ago, when you were named head coach, <laughs> you've probably been sitting here a couple of times a year with us uh, at the Esquire during that time. Did you think you'd still be in Champaign Urbana at that time, or? Do you do you think like that? How, how do you uh, deal with those? No, kind of so right before I came to Illinois, I'd been in California for three years, Arizona for two years, Hawaii for six months, Florida for you know eighteen months. I thought I'll be in Illinois for you know yeah. eighteen months or two years, and then be moving on. So, but uh, it's been awesome to to kind of call Champagne home, and and obviously I met my wife, and we've got our kids here, and so this uh, this community has been just more welcoming is an understatement, right? It's just an amazing place to live. Golden handcuffs. That's what uh, it's been exactly. called. Golden handcuffs. Because uh, same thing. I got here thinking I'll be here two years. Then that's thirty-three years ago. So uh, you're not going to be here that. Well, you might. I mean, why not? I mean, I'm trending that way. Okay. Right. Oh. Dead air on the radio. Never good. What's thing. that? Dead air on the radio. Yeah, that's that's not good at all. But uh, yeah. So Brad, uh, this season, uh, how do you guys, how do you just kind of map out the season? Obviously, you got the fall, and now you're starting in the quote unquote spring season. Just how do you and, and the staff and, and the players just kind of navigate what's to come each school year at all? Yeah, it's, it's very simple for us. The fall is all about player development, and we're, we're, we're doing a ton of individual tournaments. That all counts for the guys' individual rankings, but it doesn't count for our team success. So we really push hard in the fall, trying to set boundaries, guidelines of, of what the expectations are. Uh, and then once we hit, we hit January, it's all team matches. And so we're, we're, in, that, we're in that space right now. Uh, playing against, you know, typically what is normally the, the schedule that we play, which is all the best teams. So this week we play Georgia uh, in Chicago before we host the indoor championships, and that'll be, you know, a guaranteed four matches against top 15 teams in the country. So it's a uh, it's a challenge that you know we present that in recruiting, obviously, that like, hey, you're you're coming here to play the best, and and if you're nervous about that, then we're the wrong school to to, to come to. So, um, and that's that's the nature where we are. You know, it drifts. After indoor championships, then everything kind of trends, tends to be inside or outside based on weather, and so you got to deal with those factors, and that'll be something we come up to when, when we face March and on. But, uh, but right now we're still indoors for another week and excited about the challenges ahead. I asked you about this last week when we met, and I asked you about USC and UCLA, and that's not going to be any easier, is it? <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because you know we uh, – Iowa and Minnesota during the pandemic both cut men's tennis. And so we lost two members, which okay. is, you know, really disappointing for the conference. But you're essentially replacing them with USC and UCLA. Right. And uh, USC has the most national championships in men's tennis history. And UCLA, I think, has never – last year they had a down year coming out of COVID. But prior to that, it had been 20 years since they finished outside the top five in the country. So they're perennial national powerhouses every single year. Yeah. Might as well add Stanford too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might as well while you're at it. Brad, when you uh, when you were a traveling man throughout this great country of ours, and, and you arrived in Champaign, obviously unprecedented success that your predecessor Craig Tiley had uh, achieved it all. But what did you know about Illinois tennis, and and what's it been like to not only keep the program relevant nationally, but year in and year out, you guys are one of the most consistent programs on, on the U of I campus. 
Well, first thing is I never recommend following Craig Tiley at anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what uh, Shire is going through down in Duke exactly. right now. You just don't do not do that. Uh, be the next guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to be the guy that follows you. Exactly. Guy, right? uh, but, uh, you know, for me, it, it was all about Craig. You know, I, I jokingly say that, but Craig had laid down a foundation and infrastructure with our program that I think helped us maintain that and obviously it's a different time different era there's so many the game is not the game but college athletics is so different than it was when I first started which sounds I feel like it just sounds so old when I say that (laughs) but uh, but it really just just in my time here at Illinois I feel like we've gone through two or three different cycles about the nature of recruiting and the nature of of I guess just the game itself and, and how we're organizing and how we're scheduling and so forth so it's it's constantly in flux um and and with that, yeah, I just I just I don't know, I think every day, you know, my my job, quote quote unquote a job, is to go out with, with young men and, and literally push them to the you know, to the brink of what they think is possible and capable and, and then have them enjoy that experience. And so you think of like I don't and it's a challenge, but it's like it's so much fun because that's what I grew up doing and that's what I love doing. And so it, does, it never feels like a job. And I just I just feel lucky. And thanks to Josh and, and, and Ron, who hired me and everyone else before that they've given me the opportunity to be here. Talk a little about uh, your recruiting strategy. Uh, players come from all over, not only the United States, obviously, and in tennis, but internationally as well. You must have quite a Rolodex of contacts around the world. We do. And, and, uh, and that's something that's interesting because we do almost all of our recruiting primarily domestically and particularly in the Midwest and our roster doesn't necessarily look like that right now but that's where we put almost all of our attention now it comes a time where uh, I get a call from some coach in Texas or Florida or something else say hey I got I got a kid and I think he's special and come on down and take a look and so we'll do that and the same thing happens internationally but in my 18 years here I've made one trip uh, overseas that's it and we didn't get that kid, so uh, he, he was he was a great player, and and uh, we went after him hard. But that's that's the only trip I've ever made overseas, and so uh, it's not that we're going out there and doing that, but it, it is part of the changing nature. I think last year, uh, men's tennis had the highest rate of international student athletes of any sport. So there's 72 percent at the NCAA championships were international uh, in men's tennis. Yeah. Do they come to the U.S. prior to college or? At college time, right? In other words, are they here before and you recruit them here? Yeah, typically college time. And this, and this is, you know, one of the tricky things with rules is, is a lot of them have been playing professionally for a number of years. They're seasoned veterans in terms of, of their experience. And they find a, I hate to say it, but a loophole here or a loophole there that allows them to come here and be a freshman at 21 or 22 years old. And that's, that's a big difference between recruiting an American kid who's, you know, coming in here and, 18 years old and, and looks about as skinny as me and 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 so it, you know that just it's it's a different to compete against a, a grown man and and you see that in basketball now with some of the fifth year players as well what's the youngest tennis player you've ever recruited that's a great question so we we try to put it in people's minds and eyes early on and and we're tracking that so you know we'll go we've got a number of coaches and, and typically if we're recruiting them really young they're they're from chicago or somewhere where we're, we know them locally but uh there's some great kids in indiana chicago we're not afraid to to let them know we're watching them at eight nine years old so really yeah do you wow. touch base with their parents first can't touch base with their parents but so you go directly to an eight-year-old and say hey no we don't. <laughs> <laughs> sign them up let's go here's the papers 
<laughs> what, what what is that process like though when you are navigating potential talents at, at such a young age too? I think it's one of those things again where we're we're just getting in front of their coaches. Uh, you know, there's private coaches throughout the the world, and and so we're that's that's probably our constant job is every day is, is like you talk about going through the rolodex. I, we need to touch base with this guy and. And then talking to those coaches, the more, it's just funny. I laugh about it in, in coaching. I tell this to my, my young assistant at the moment. I said, there's a really unfortunate thing to this job, and that is the more you work, the, the more it comes back to you. And unfortunately, it just keeps coming then. But that's, that's the nature of recruiting. You can sit down and start in the morning. You make three or four calls, and those calls come back, and they always lead to more calls. And you're just also next thing you know, like, there's just been four hours of phone calls, and I have no idea what happened. But that's, that's the nature of recruiting. You uh, hosted the NCAA's last year, which is a lot of fun. I got to cover a lot of that. You told me the other day, what's, what's the cycle here? What's what's next time you, you could do that again? And better question, do you want to do it again? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, kudos to everybody, Zach Acton and his staff for right. putting on a phenomenal championship. It was it was great. It was That was my first time to get really in the weeds with Zach, and I was just blown away with his professionalism and, and his whole staff that he does. So he did a great, great job. Uh, and then the next part of that, the cycle-wise, we've got uh, Orlando this year. Then it goes to uh, then it goes to Texas, Georgia. That's the bid cycle, and and then after that, it's out again. So the next time we'd have an opportunity, I think it's twenty-seven is, okay. is is the first time it is up for bid. So those are things I'll sit down and talk with Josh about and and see what his goals. And again, there's. I just can't imagine me and Josh Whitman for one day with all the all the complexities that that are going on in college athletics. And so, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate that and listen to him and see where he thinks it. But we we love hosting it. It's an honor to host it, and and it's it's obviously very prestigious. Didn't you say they're making maybe maybe making some changes there and how they do it? Yeah. So typically, so we had, we just hosted the, the right. team championships, and then and immediately then afterwards right. is the singles and doubles. Right. And so it's starting in 25 and 26, or actually 24 and 25, they're going to move the individual championships to the fall. Okay. And then so it'll only be a team championship in the spring. And, okay. I, and I'm a fan of that. I think it's a good move for us. It's a chance to do a little bit more experimentation uh, on some of the formats that we use. And, uh, you know, the big thing for tennis right now is we've got to figure out a way to, to get the exposure on TV, like a lot of the other non-revenue sports have done. And so we're, I think we need to be a little more creative in drawing a casual fan in. And you could, you could bid for either. Either end of that, right? Yeah, and, and it'll be open for both of those. Okay. I, I right. think it's a little bit unlikely we'd get the fall one because that'll be late November, right. and I think they want to make that an outdoor championship. It could be a little rough weather-wise. We are talking college tennis with Illini men's coach Brad Dancer. We're going to take a break. We'll do that. You folks here at the Esquire, if you have any questions, get your hand up. We'll get a mic around to you. The phone line is open as well, 217-356-9397. We're back in downtown Champaign at the Esquire. After this brief timeout, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Colin Likas from News Gazette. Join us tonight at 6 o'clock for Prep Basketball Confidential, right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. We are back at the Esquire, downtown Champaign, with you until 6 o'clock tonight. If you'd like to join us, give us a call, 217 356 
Lana men's tennis coach, Brad Dancer, is with us. Talked about uh, how the program and programs are doing. It was a nice weekend for the women's coach, Evan Clark, as he got his 100th win and number 101 as well. Evan is, uh, I, I think it's been well documented how crazy he is with his running and everything else. So <laughs> he's got, you know, if he doesn't run eight miles a day, he's, you know, he's a lunatic. So we have fun in the office together just swapping stories. But he's been... Uh, Sometimes coaches of the of the di- different gender sports don't get along. I'd say Evan and I are the exact opposite. Like we get along super and and uh, kind of a lot of banter back and forth and ribbing each other. So I, I of course was sending him the pictures of that and congratulating him. But it is it, it's great for him. He's a fantastic coach, even better person. So fun guy to work alongside. College athletes, as everybody knows, uh, got an extra year because of COVID. Do you still have some of those guys that got those years on the roster, or is that recycled out yet? No, so next year will be the last year for that. So Luke, Lucas Horvey was from, from Decatur and was around our program, you know, for years before he came here. Then he redshirted his first year, then COVID his second year. So he, he did two years of eligibility. He's in his third year of eligibility, and he's already in, in getting his master's, and he'll probably have a Ph.D. by the time he's done here. So, uh, Brad, just one thing that's always intrigued me, too, about t- college tennis is you look on the bios of a lot of these players and you say like high school, a lot of them are like virtual learning center X. Can you explain that at all? It's a, it's, it's a, you know, tennis in a weird sort of way kind of leads the curve on some of, some of these, I don't want to say bending the rules or, or pushing the boundaries a little bit, but uh, online schooling, which is really prevalent now, you see that in football and basketball, even uh, in tennis, that's 25 years ago was, was really, really prevalent. And so, it's one of those things where it was no big deal because it kind of kids would go through and then all of a sudden their junior or senior year in high school, they'd switch to online and maybe move to Florida. But we've been recruiting them really hard, so it's no big deal. Well, now what we're seeing is all of a sudden seventh grade, eighth grade, they're switching to an online curriculum and, and moving their families, families out of Illinois. So that's been a, a big challenge for us in recruiting is, is dealing with that, just the exodus out of the Midwest at an earlier age. And so, um, that, yeah, but that's, that's the reality of it. I would say almost... 90% of, uh, of the student-athletes we recruit are in some sort of online curriculum. Wow. I, yeah, those guys I talked to last week, all of them, high, I barely went to high school. Yeah. Like, at all. Um, get a weird one for you. Best tennis movie of all. What's your favorite tennis? And, way, to, and, way to put them on the spot, Bob. Well, and better question is, is the movie realistic? Because that, that's the part I always know. Because, to me, tennis looks grueling, like beyond grueling. It looks like the hardest sport you can compete in. Bob, Bob, I cannot be more embarrassed to say this. I don't know if I've ever watched a tennis movie. Come on. Like, I, can't, I can't think of one. Like, I can't think I, of one I can't, tennis I movie. I either. So don't feel alone. I, well, there's one with Billie Jean King. Wim, Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. I've never seen that. And that's about that's, it. Actually, I like that movie. I've never seen that. Yeah. Now, so you just, sports movies for me, Hoosiers. Just Hoosiers is. So that's the best out. tennis movie ever. Yeah, yeah, is Hoosiers. Exactly. <laughs> we got it now. Do you show that to your team? We, we've showed. Clips of Hoosiers, clips of Remember the Titans. Right. I'm a big video guy. I think anytime you, you can see those things is great. And so uh, there's just so many. Yeah, just the, the, but Hoosiers is not a is not a clip, right? You got to embrace yourself. You got you got to you got to sit down and get into that movie to really appreciate it. And I don't. To be honest, I hate to say this. I don't know if this generation could watch Hoosiers. Like it's just Probably might not. move too slow for them. Yeah, that's a that's a sad state of affairs <laughs> we're in. 
Uh, You've seen that, right, man? You've yes, seen, I've seen it like a hundred times, sure. Bob. <laughs> okay, sure. all right. I'll, I'll make a confession here on the airwaves and for everyone listening as well, which Bob will probably fall back in his seat. I've never seen Caddyshack from start to finish. I knew that. Which apparently that. is a felony. Uh, uh, it's close. It's a bit, so. At least a misdemeanor. Yeah, so I, I admit it. I've never seen Caddyshack. That's on my to-do list at some point in this decade. Hopefully. I showed it to my kids when they were I'm way, sure you probably way, shouldn't have done that, Way too Bob. young. Six way, years way, old. Yeah, oh, I'm, sure, I'm, sure it was, I'm sure it was earlier I was for Bob. I was in real trouble with that one. Don't that was do one it. of the commercials, right, last yeah, night? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Well, Brad, you're wearing shorts here. It's a nice day here for mid-February in Champaign. It's about 55 or so. Still here right now. You guys have great facilities over on the U of I campus, the Atkins Tennis Center, the Con Outdoor Complex. What's the major difference between playing inside and then switching outside? That's an awesome question, to be honest. Man, I got a great question and an awesome question. Now I'm just going to leave. So it, it is uh, a lot of it is psychological, the, but typically the temperature affects how the ball bounces uh, quite mm. a bit. So you can imagine colder temperature, the ball doesn't bounce as much, it's not as live. And then a lot of times the surface outdoors is a little bit different. And then you add wind and sun in. And the wind, just as it affects a golf ball or, or a baseball quite a bit, it affects a tennis ball even more. And so wind, sun are huge elements uh, outside. And so we have, a, we have a whole, we have about two sheets that we go give the guys at the beginning of the year that focuses strictly on wind play and how to play in different, different types of wind that are out there. So I would say wind. The, the 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 height of the ball bounce um and then also you have the other thing is typically if it is hot and the ball is bouncing higher it's more difficult to put the point away and so the points go longer so then fitness becomes a little bit more of a of an issue outside than typically inside do players prefer indoors or outdoors i would say almost every single player has their preference indoors or outdoors okay, so it'd be great uh, because it'll be like right on the cusp of whether we go in or out and I'll have half my team being like, let's go in coach. And the other half like, let's go out coach. And I'm like, it's a, it's a, it, you know, I always I, coin, flip, coin flip or not. Well, it, it, so it's decided based on, on just simple weather metrics, but, uh, but you always get the guys, you know, they're, they're hoping a ton that goes in or hoping a ton that goes out. So awesome. is there a magic number on the wind <coughs> velocity to, to send you from outside to in 20 miles an hour? Yep. So tw- over twenty, and that's it. That's an ITA rule, which is our, our governing body. The NCA does not have that. So last year, this spring, we had a couple of days just twenty three miles an hour, and the NCA decided to play those outside. And it is, it's not a lot of fun playing tennis in twenty three mile an hour winds. I can tell you that. How often do you uh, stay in contact with Craig Tiley, and how how closely does he still follow your program? Yeah, Craig's intimately involved, and I and I stay in touch with Craig. We were emailing this morning because we're working on the 20th uh, reunion of the 2003 National Championship, so we were going back and forth this morning and, and trying to work on that, and you know, the problem is all not only Craig, but all the guys on that team are pretty successful now, and so it's trying to figure out and combine everybody's schedule. Everybody's busy and got different events, so we're, we're trying to pin down a date and lock that in because it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty fun celebration. Do you get a chance uh, much to... Uh react and, and interact with other coaches like Mike Small or Brad Underwood or Brett Bielman? Do you get, do you get a chance? To, you guys are all so busy, but do you like those kind of opportunities if they come up to just kind of pick their brains on their sports as well? I think it's one of the most important things. And so when we have head coaches meetings, whether it's formal or informal, those are the times when, when we really get to banter. And, and again, you're talking about how to navigate the university, how to navigate recruiting. Those are really critical areas for young coaches and, and even for us old geezers to, to kind of, you know, just relate to one another, say this is this has happened with admissions or this is happening across the board. And I think those are 
those are critical conversations for us. And it's funny you brought up Smalley because, you know, he's just, you know, whenever you need something told straight to you, just call Smalley <laughs> up and you're going you're to get it that way. So I love talking to him. And, and same with Brad. You know, those are both two guys I love to talk to because they're both so honest and candid all the time. And, and so I feel like I relate well to them. But we've got a fantastic coaching staff here. We've got a great executive staff. Josh is a you know, phenomenal leader. So right now, I feel like it's, a, it's really, really clicking. The more times we can get together, the better. It's just it's really a lot of the times it's just logistics of that schedule and so what forth. Are, what are some of the things that you can learn from somebody coaching a totally different sport? I think it's all it's all transferable. So I used to coach women's tennis as well, and everybody's like, oh, you're so different. I'm like, it's never different. It's it's always, in my, in my opinion, basically about communication and, and management of, of those people. And so, you know, just as when your kids are arguing or else, it's like it's, a lot of times it comes back to just getting clear on communication. That's always the number one thing for me is we have a ton of one-on-one meetings with our guys. We have a ton of individual skill sessions with them that turn into one-on-one meetings. And so for me, it doesn't matter, male, female, whatever sport. And I'm, and I've, you know, to be honest, a number of times in the past, I've acted as just as a counselor for other student athletes that, you know, maybe having some issues on their team. And so that's something I think is, uh, and, and I've used spring a lot in the past before he left it, you know, to help some of my guys. So anyone I feel like can relate to and they can listen, uh, that's a big part of, of coaching more than anything else. How do you feel Brad Underwood's team is uh, faring so far this season? I'm so fired up about this team. I, I just, I, you know, I always laugh because the transfers are coming in in the summertime, and, and my favorite thing is everybody acting like we're going to go 20-0 and 0 in the Big Ten, right? And I'm just like, you, you just have no idea how difficult it is to take new people, get them into your system, and then figure, you know, and then just kind of figure it all out. And then I just love it when, you know, when you see anyone sort of attack, oh, they started 0-2 or 0-1, I'm like, don't worry. I have so much trust in Brad and his ability to sort of navigate it. And, and I shouldn't say just Brad. I think the whole staff – and they're the way that they communicate, and Fletch is a big part of that as well. Uh, it's just I love watching them deal with all the adversity they deal with and then just keep coming back and fighting. It's, it's been a super fun team to watch this year. Talking to Brad Dancer, we have a question here in the audience. I actually have two weather-related questions. One is, since Champaign-Urbana is one of the windier places in the <coughs> universe, do we have a major home advantage, home court advantage when we play outside? It's a great question. A lot of the better tennis players hate playing in the wind. And so that's, that's kind of the tricky thing. And, and so we, we win again. When it's above 20, we're going indoors and we're going to yeah. play in the, in the confines of Atkins tennis. When it's, abo- when, it's above, when it's 18, 19, it's not very fun. And, we, and that's why we have all that talk about how to play in the wind. So that's a great question. And do we win more? Because we're used to it. They're not. It all comes down to coaching, right, Brad? comes down to, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> So here's my other weather-related question. When we're going after a kid and we don't get him, is it because of weather? It's, I would say at that point, it's not. We just don't get in the conversation because of weather. It's, it's more about that. And I think if you ask Smalley, he'd say the same thing. So out of 20 kids you're recruiting, you might not even get in the conversation with 17 of them because of weather. Now those three, you're not going to lose them because of weather. You lose them because of something else. But, um, but I think – you know, the weather thing, you don't even get in the conversation if it's a weather situation. Yeah. You uh, mentioned the transfer portal. How are you dealing with that? And at the same time, the NIL situation, how is that affecting uh, your program? You stole Lauren's question. I told him not to ask it. So. <laughs> uh, transfer portal, it's, it's, so it's a little bit different. So Olympic sports have always 
typically had the ability to transfer uh, and be eligible immediately at the other school. So that's not that new. The, the thing that's new is sort of the uh, the cachet name with the transfer portal. So I think they're even even in tennis, which you've always been able to do it, the numbers are up, I think, because people think, oh, I'm going in the transfer pool, portal, and that's pretty cool. Having said that, we've got two transfers on our team right now, and they're both being really impactful for us. So it's one of those things where you think about – we always talk about the program and the culture and how we – we navigate this this big, huge ship along the way. And the reality is coach, uh, coaching now is much more nimble. We have to talk about a one-year situation of how you navigate that year as of maybe as opposed to building over a four- to six-year period or something like that. So that's probably the first thing I think we have to be realistic about. Is the current situation too easy for players to just say, you know what, I'm not getting a chance to play. Things aren't working out. I'm going to go somewhere else. Or... Is fighting through adversity something uh, they need to do? I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that question. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Brad. Uh, we've written obviously several dozens, hundreds of stories about you and your program since you've been here. Since you said you are an old geezer uh, as well, what do you like to do on the day of a match? Do you do you go run the steps at Memorial Stadium to take your mind off things? Do you just sit and watch film? What do you what do you do before a big match? Uh, the biggest thing for me, always number one on match day, is to make sure that I feel like each one of our guys is clear on sort of what they're trying to do. Uh, so that's always number one. It's always just weighing on my mind. Now, the tricky thing about that is that's weighing my, on my mind at 6 in the morning. That's not the time to call them. So you've got to kind of pick your spots with each guy, and, and that's different, too. You can tell when guys are in a lighthearted mode, and they may not want to hear what you've got to say. So it's kind of just making sure you navigate that process of, of when to find them there. I always try to do some sort of sweating yes on on, uh, on match i just feel like if i don't get that out of me then i don't know i'm turned into a lunatic and and rage a little bit or something like that so try to sweat a little bit and then a lot of the other stuff is just planning with the, the rest of the coaching staff on just you know is there anything specific that we need to do differently going into this match but um i also the last thing i like to do if if at all possible is take a shower right before the match and and just kind of have that collective downtime and meditative time to, to kind of get my thoughts straight got a former player uh, as your assistant coach and, and Tim Kapinski uh, what's he been like to, to work with and I'm sure that's a pretty cool moment for you too having recruited him to, to play under you and, and now he's, he's working alongside you it's really I, I it's, this is gonna sound awful again but it just makes me feel old right <laughs> like I just you know before everybody's a contemporary now this is a guy that I recruited out of high school and coached him and, and so our relationship is incredibly tight and it's been fun to you know he was kind of always a former former student athlete, and, and now it's he's a coworker, and he's starting to feel more like a friend. And you could see, uh, you know, I always, I, can't, I can't call him Tim; I just call him TK. But you could just see when he first came in, he's kind of still looking at me as coach or whatever else. And so we had to have some moments where I was like, "Hey, this is this is not going to be that way." So we're rooming together on, in in the hotels on the road, and I think so. When you do that, you know, as everybody knows, you start to see some things that you know, or hear some things, and so he he sees me in a different light than maybe he has before. So that's that's probably pretty good. How are relationships for you now as the older coach? Not old, but older <laughs> coach, different than when you first started. I mean, you were a lot closer to them in the age back then. What's it like? that way I, again to, to be brutally honest i feel like i have less relationships now than when i first started and only because of my family and okay. so you know i just so gotta, if it's yeah. if it's uh if there's any sort of downtime i have i'm i'm trying to spend it with my wife and kids and and that's been probably the big change for me is just less random conversations with coaches out there so I, i've done a terrible job over the last 10 years <laughs> probably <laughs> staying in touch with coaches so they all probably think i'm some you know loner out there but i just 
trying to, I got an amazing wife. Um, she's really incredible, and so I, li- I like to spend time with her when I can. Nice, nice, good answer. That's a great answer. Hopefully she's listening so she can get some brownie points. Uh, four boys at home. Uh, are we going to see a dancer in the Illinois men's tennis lineup, you know, six, seven years down the road at all? Well, all my, all my oldest think they're going to bypass college basketball and play straight in the NBA. So that, that uh, I don't know, no, none, none of them are swinging a racket too well right now. They, they <laughs> swing it occasionally, but uh, whew, I got some work to do if they're going to be Illini tennis players. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the Big Ten, how that, how that shapes up. Is Ohio State still the team to beat? Well, it's interesting. So last year, Michigan beat Ohio State in the, in the tournament championship, and that's the first time since 1997 that Illinois or Ohio State had not won the tournament. And so uh, this fall, I was, I was telling TK, I said, man, I, I, I like our team. I, I feel good about where we are. And I said, but man, Ohio State seems stacked and Michigan seems stacked. And I went and looked at this. They have a rating system called UTR. And Michigan, Ohio State, and still are to this day the number one and two teams in the country in terms of, of rating of their players. So they're both stacks. Going to be really, and Northwestern's had a great start to the year as well. So um, when you start thinking about where those programs are, UCLA, USC, it's uh, we got some fun challenges ahead of us. But that, again, like as a coach, like that's awesome, right? To be in the top, you're going to have maybe four teams in the top ten of the country that you got to compete against, and it's going to be great for the conference. Have you thought about any traveling uh, <laughs> issues you might have when those two teams come in? It's funny. We just talked to Josh about that today, and, and I think all the complexity with the different sports, and so that, that could potentially be something where maybe men's and women's tennis travel out together on a charter and, and try to hit those schools. But I, I have no idea what we'll do. And to be brutally honest, it's going to be a lot tougher for them than it's going to be for us. You know, we'll have one trip out there, and they'll have maybe two or three back right. here east. And, and you hope it's like probably like 58 degrees with like, 18 mile an hour winds so you can it, play it's, outside it's my, my favorite thing right my favorite thing is when before Penn State came in and everybody, oh Penn State's gonna dominate the Big Ten they're gonna win football every single year and I think they've won one Big Ten championship right and I just I think Texas Oklahoma think they're gonna go in the SEC and win everything and UCLA and USC think they're gonna come in here and win everything and I think they got another thing coming and I can't wait let's take a phone call for Brad Dancer go ahead you're on the air Hey, uh, Coach, I had a question. Um, I follow the uh, the Pro Tour pretty closely, and um, a couple of years ago uh, I met Taylor Fritz when he was here in town, and then you just had the, the NCAA championship where, where Ben Shelton is, is now doing pretty well on the tour, or he's getting his feet wet. What's the difference between guys going to college versus going straight to the, to the Pro Tour? Wow, what, what a great question from our caller. And right now there's not a big difference. You're seeing a, a tremendous amount of success. Uh, both on the male side and on the female side. There's a, there's a young gal that's playing for North Carolina State right now that just uh, qualified and advanced to the second round of the Australian Open, So she, and she's a freshman on North Carolina State's team. So I don't think there's a huge difference uh, between college and pro. A lot of it is just are you ready to, to, to make that jump and the pressures that come along with that. When you're in college and you lose a match but your team wins, it's, it's, sort of, it's a nice uh, you know, recovery for you. And when you lose a match on the Pro Tour, it is a lonely week out there and not a very fun week of, of, uh, of practice. So you've you got to have the right mental psychology, and you also have to have the physical ability. And you mentioned Taylor Fritz, and he's, he's, he's a guy that, uh, from, a, from a mental standpoint, has always believed he's going to be one of the best, and I think that's why he's making it. And you look at, at Ben Shelton, the other guy you mentioned, and his athletic abilities off the charts, and it wouldn't surprise me to see, to see Ben in the top ten in the world here sometime soon as well. Anything else, right, caller? So no, that's all. Thanks a lot. 
Okay, appreciate the call. Brad, we appreciate you taking time to come down and visit with us. Always good to have you here. Good luck the rest of the year. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, That's Brad Dancer, everybody, at the Esquire in downtown Champaign. Matt, Bob, and I will talk about Illinois basketball and some other items as well. After we take this time out, stay with us. We're back with more at the Esquire here on DWS. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie will tell you about a player the fans, for some reason, don't always buy into. It's Coleman Hawkins. Back at the Esquire, here until 6 o'clock, just about every Monday night uh, through football and basketball season. By the way, we will be here next Monday night. There's an Illinois basketball game at 8 o'clock against Minnesota. But we'll be here from 5 to 6, and the pregame coverage will begin at uh, 6 o'clock. That's uh, next Monday. If you're looking for a place to watch tomorrow night's game, this will be a good spot. They've got daily specials here at the Esquire as well. 6 o'clock tomorrow night at Penn State. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, especially uh, because Illinois is still not in the the top 25. Uh, They're just on the outside looking in. They're technically 28th in the country. Cusp. On the cusp. Cusp. Uh, (laughs) Way to enunciate, Bob. That's good. Uh, They're just behind Northwestern and Missouri, uh, two teams that beat Illinois. And the Big Ten only has two teams in the uh, top 25 uh, this week. Uh, Purdue at number three. And then Indiana, number 14, and Illinois obviously is going to get very familiar with uh, Trace Jackson Davis and his Hoosiers. Maybe they double-team him this time, uh, Saturday in, in Bloomington. So, or uh, triple. Or, or triple, triple or quadruple team. We'll Il- see. Illinois, if they win two this week, they'll definitely be ranked next year. Week. You would think so. I keep saying that. Scott Ritchie did vote Illinois into his top 25, 25 ballot. Yeah. He had him at 25th, so... Send him nice emails, not the other kind. You know about this poll tracker thing? Yeah, it's been around for a while, Bob. I understand, <laughs> but I'm not sure everybody knows about this. There's a way to vote for voters, I mean, uh, rank voters. Mm-hmm. So I always go in there every weekend and give Scott a plus. You That's can nice give of a, you. Yeah, I do. I plus or minus, okay. but I give him a plus. Well, if I like his poll, okay. which I usually do. I usually agree with what most of what he has. But do you do you rank the other guys too? Some, if I yeah, I look at them and see how fair they are and not fair. And you're right, Illinois is close, eight, tw- I think twenty eight, so mm-hmm. close and definitely be in next week. The women's team is twenty sixth, tied for twenty sixth. Yeah, with uh, North Carolina, I think. They're just, talk about that. Just uh, just one point shy uh, of uh, getting into the top twenty five this week. Uh, obviously, most likely would have gotten in if uh, they could have finished the job uh, Sunday afternoon out in College Park, Maryland. Had a nine-point lead against the eighth-ranked team uh, in the country, and then uh, just too many turnovers kind of doomed the Illini out at uh, the Xfinity Center. It was a, I typed up the box score earlier this morning, and it was one of the strangest box scores I've typed up. I mean, Illinois had 25 turnovers. Maryland had 18 steals. Maryland did not make a three-pointer but was 18 of 18 right. from the free throw line. So it was just a, a stunning display of numbers that'll be in tomorrow's paper. Th- those are games, I think, a year or two down the road. I mean, it's like a little more established. They'll hang on. They'll learn to win those games. I think they're having those kind of growing pains. Again, they're way so far out of the curve. They're you know way, way, way ahead where they have any right to be. So – People I know lament those games and say, wow, should have won that well. No, I mean, this team, think how horrible this team was the last four or five years. 
now what they're doing is amazing. So they're going to have bumps occasionally, but I, I think it's all part of the learning process. I think it, those kind of games will help this team going forward. And, and they played Sunday without Genesis right. Bryant. Their, right. their second leading scorer was out with an ankle injury uh, that she sustained this past Thursday night at Nebraska. Don't know when she'll, she'll play again. The good news is on, on that front is Illinois doesn't play at all this week. Uh, they host Penn State at, at 2 p.m. this Sunday, so they've got all week to – to prep for the Nittany Lions and, and get Bryant back healthy so she can get back in the lineup. The uh, flavor of the week as far as uh, the men's poll is Alabama. They're the new number one, at least for a week, mm-hmm. <laughs> as there's no uh, apparent real dominating team like there is in women's basketball with South Carolina. Yeah, and that's what I think is going to make uh, the NCAA tournament so just in, intriguing this year. Crazy. I mean, uh, great. Good luck filling out your brackets, but that can be said each and every year. Uh, it's just a, a giant guessing game. But, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, we joke about this in the office sometimes. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Illinois goes on a run oh, in, in March. And, you know, the first Monday in April, you know, all Illinois fans' attentions are riveted on what's going on in Houston, the, the side of the Final Four in the national championship game. And it also wouldn't shock me if Illinois lost in the first round of the tournament. They just mm, kind of a helter-skelter group. That, that's covering your bases. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm hitting all <laughs> angles there. I'm, I'm doing what Bob usually does. Well, I think they're winning. I think they're winning the first game for sure. Then the question is, kind of matchups-wise, last year was a brutal. Having, having to play Houston was tough, and clearly Houston again is great. So that's a team I wouldn't want to see them till like the final play. Play them in the title game, but beyond that, yeah, I think. But this, yeah, this team right now, the way they played Sunday or Saturday, second half Saturday, they could have beaten anybody. They really could have. True, and and if they play the way they did in the first half, they could lose to lose to everyone right. as well. So, I mean, they're just the 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 definition of kind of inconsistent. When they're going fun, when they're going good, they're going great, and when they're going bad, it's kind of off the rails. It's fun, it's fun to watch that. It's nice they had that good second half because that would have put a bummer on what was otherwise a great weekend with. The rededication of Ubbin and right. Darren Williams back in town, Manny Jackson. Uh, it really was a fun Rick time. Smith, Rick yeah, Smith, a too. lot of people in there. And then the crowd, again, I continue to say this, but the crowd was fantastic on Saturday. And the day they game, need to get there earlier, though, for you. Well, I always think that, but that's just, that's just me more than anything. But, yeah, I think it's just a, it's such a good crowd when they're fired up about how the team is playing. Uh, when the team goes into a lull, I think fans here and everywhere – kind of get tend to get quiet. Yeah, I think I've seen that more lately than have, you know, in recent years. But I think that's kind of part for the course where the team is. Illinois softball opened the season uh, down in Florida, winning uh, two games, losing three. They lost to three nationally ranked teams. You'll have uh, coverage of that, I'm sure. What else you working for in the uh, Tuesday morning edition of the News Gazette? Yeah, Scott Ritchie's got a, a feature on Dane Danger and how he's kind of established himself as uh, one of the best big men in, in the Big Ten. And that's saying something, too, when you've got likely the National Player of the Year in, in Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis as well. Uh, kind of take a look at how Brad Underwood's fared uh, on road games and in opposing Big Ten venues. And uh, a lot of high school coverage as well. Girls basketball postseason is in uh, full effect. That season went about as fast as the uh, high school football season. It always flies when you're having fun, Steve. Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen. Thanks, guys. Thinking of Scott Ritchie as he heads to uh, Happy Valley. Thanks to uh, Scott Beatty and Tamara McDaniel and to our guest tonight, Brad Dancer. Appreciate you all coming out. We'll be here next week on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly saying good night, everybody. <laughs>